Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Monster Dear Monster, a podcast where we explore monsters through various media. Today, I'm your host, <laughs> Leonard, and I am joined with uh, another third of the Monster Dear Monster podcast monster crew, Dave. Hello. I've returned. And I, I love how you like broke out of your <laughs> your somber uh introduction. Um it was good. Yeah, That's fine. right. These things happen. Yes, uh, we are back. We are back for more Legati because Karen's yes. not here. I mean it's right. it's not it's not because he's not here, but that's just what happens. These are the, no, the stars we, we have aligned. We 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 specifically exclude Cameron. Don't 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 believe what Dave says, audience. We specifically exclude Cameron from from the Thomas Legati talk because it is it is psychically damaging. Uh, uh, Thomas Legati is the the uh, Abra of of weird fiction writers, and 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 Cameron is a ghost type. <laughs> This is true. And we <laughs> must protect Cameron at all costs, so we will bear the psychic attack instead. I, I I now desperately want a want want Cameron drawn as a Gengar. I mean I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yes. We'll see how that goes. I've but enough done, levity. I've already done. Yes, I've already done one fan art of Cameron. So, right. But enough levity. There's yes. no. There's, there's no, no place for that here. We have no trust with you. Right. Humor. Yes. Uh, we are returning with uh, songs of a dead dreamer uh, and grim scribe. I believe that uh, we are finishing up uh, dreams for ins- insomniacs. Yes, the final three tales within the sub-chapter of Dreams for Insomniacs. And we're, making, after- we're making some sort of progress through this. Yes, and then uh, we will be also be uh, starting our examination of uh, the conspiracy against the human race. However, uh, uh, despite... What you may have, uh, the lies you may have read on Twitter and social media, we will not be covering the entire first chapter of, of, of the conspiracy against human race because it is quite long. Um, so we will, uh, be, uh, tackling, uh, the first three sections of the first chapter. Is that correct, Dave? Yes, because one of us only lies. And one of us only tells the truth. And one of us severely underestimated the, um, or I guess, yes, underestimated the length of chapter one when they made the announcement. And that wasn't me. I didn't do it. Was it my fault? It was my fault. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, but, but in, in consolation, it's not really a prize. Um, the, the bits we are covering are no less uh, weighty and or meaty uh so that that's no um there will be no shortness of discussion on on the matter because uh everything is quite dense 
um, as a matter of fact, and we'll be just fine. It will just take us a little longer to cover the 80-some pages of Chapter 1. Um, but yes, there there you have it. For Forewarning uh, those of you who may have read ahead a little bit. Um, we'll get to that part eventually. Yes. Uh, but what we will get to right now, segue, uh, is the first first there's no humor here leonard i I can't help it it's so dry here dave i've been i i'm i'm in the uh, where i am is so dry that i i must be funny in order to produce moisture (laughs) it's your tears yeah your tears are all you have left yep isn't that all we have left just gecko licking them right right out of my eyes um we are (laughs) We are, we are starting mm. with, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, we're starting with our first story, uh, Masquerade of a Dead Sword, a tragedy. Dave, what is this story about? I've been asking myself that all morning. Um, it is a thing where a man doeth a thing. Uh, no. Uh, this is the story of, hmm, it's kind of Mask of the Red Death, Fall of the House of Usher adjacent. Mm-hmm. That's what I would compare this to. What we have, uh, Cask of Amontillado. There's a lot going on here yes. that's, that's Poe. If yeah. Poe was even more horrendously, um, existential. <laughs> this is it's taken him to the nth degree of soul crushing nihilism uh, we have our our hero Faliol who has the best name in fiction you know for, <laughs> for, in a while that I've seen he is a former sellsword kind of guy and now has been reduced to a sort of, I don't know, it's not a mockery of his former self. It's just a shadow. It's a, 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 a livery-clad shadow of the man he once was and is still uh, offering his sword uh, for services. Uh, but something in his past has uh irrevocably changed him from the the um the dandy the dandy fellow he once was and now he's morose uh, scholarly um kind of caught up in his own own little world uh, but still still uh, quite happy to um dish out death and destruction with a blade yes yes that that's the- that's i think sets the basic stage for what will unfold in this tragedy. Agreed. Mm. So it it leads off with a quote. uh, When the world uncovers some dark disguise, embrace the darkness with averted eyes. And this is a, some, it's a quote from the Psalms of the silent, which is mentioned in the story. And the world building that Lagadi does here is, uh, highly enticing it mentions uh, a few names and a few things just on on off off-handed remarks that haven't they don't 
pop up anywhere else as far as I'm aware um, within these other stories. And they're, uh, they're highly like attractive. It's something I want to know more about, mm-hmm. but we're just that that's, this is what we're given. <laughs> so uh, it's fuel for the imagination as it were. I think there's, um there's a hint of like uh, Borges in this too. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a combination of influences and maybe just st- um, stylizations that Ligotti is calling like calling back to. Hmm. Yes, yeah, and so these I, and these don't read again the the tones and the narration within the within the entirety of Dreams for Insomniacs is uh, uh, quite different as we mentioned before from dreams for sleepwalkers yes um yes uh there it's it, a lot of the 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 stories have struck uh struck me as uh as th- slightly more austere mm. uh than than um uh, uh sleepwalkers uh which all seem to be fairly um uh contemporary uh, these feel older and 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 a little more they're, legendary. For they're the most they're part. timeless. There's not a yes. point in time where these are specifically evocative of. Uh, I feel that this particular tale is um, tangent with uh, perhaps the last uh, Doctor Thos story mm-hmm. or, or or even earlier um this has a a, a renaissance setting feel uh, similar to like mask of the red death it's like that time period kind of but not this isn't there's there's no historical basis for the, these are in another land right yeah. mm, i'll just read the the first bit of quote that i did pull because it, it sets the tone a little more all right uh, having declared their town an enemy of quiescence the people of soldori have taken to the streets there they conspired against solitude and to accompanying gyrations of squealing abandon sabotaged monotony the the wordsmithing he does in this particular story and i mm-hmm. think in the, in the in the following one that we will cover um it's it's exceptional there's more poetry in his prose uh, yes. than he had been doing previously. Yes, it is. It is. It is. It is written written in 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 a flowery fashion. It's not not quite as per. It's not as purple as Lovecraft. No, no not at all. But it is. Uh, it is. Uh, 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 refined and wordy. Hmm. <laughs> And I didn't highlight this next bit. It's it's in the it's in the following paragraph. Paragraphs a little longer in this um this tale, but I'm just gonna read it anyway because it it has uh, a meaning embedded into it that we've I think come to understand specifically or emphatically throughout uh, Ligotti's work so far. In every quarter of their usually sedate principality, frolicking merrymakers combed the night for a new paradise and were as likely to find it in a blood match as in a bewitching countenance. We've we've come to understand specifically the context for frolicking 
and it yes. doesn't feel any less specifically chosen here because of these of these nights of just debauchery that we right find out that's kind of what's going on yeah everything everything's bad frolicking is is no good uh when 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 written by Lagotti um a a a an, an outdated and and somewhat banal term has has been crafted into something evocative of um deep uh deep unpleasantness hmm and so we have we have our main our main character um Faliol, and then we have this the duke of soldori who's a important character but a tangential one in the beginning mm-hmm. like he just made mention of just so we kind of know what's going on he's allowing uh he's sort of allowing all this frivolity all these things to happen um this this he's merrymaking um it is an outlet uh, for the people because there are political issues uh, going on that they need a distraction and at this point it's not um it's not so excessive as to kind of rock the boat right it is uh it is a uh, uh the good old the good old distraction with with uh just do whatever you want. Take your mind off it. There's nothing. It's 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 not quite as nihilistic as the purge, uh, since, but it is definitely um, do 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 whatever you want for this amount of time, and hopefully you'll stop thinking about the, the stuff that's making everyone upset in the first place yep is, yep. is what is what it is um, yes it is a distraction hmm. and there are uh there's a again because everything's mentioned in in f- terms of phrase that um convey to the reader that they should know what all of this is what all these things mean there's there's a history embedded in these words um that is conveyed in a show not tell manner. Yes. Yes. The, no one's expositing at No, there's there's no exposition. You're just going to be thrust in the middle of this and um not really expected to pick things up as you go, but just uh you'll pick things up as you go. It's right. how it's you- done. You won't, you won't know what this, the, what the mentioned thing is, but you will know whether it's good or bad, or if somebody in this universe would want it or desperately try to avoid it. You, you get a feeling as to the thing's nature, even though you do not know what the thing is. Hmm. And that's something that's uh, described, I think, specifically or conveyed specifically well um, when we get our first introduction to Faliol and his um, his particular garb he's wearing because it's uh, it's it's described as motley gone mad, uh, yes, fool's patchwork, but um, disguise. It's it's sort of 
overriding the uh, traditional outfit he wore of uh, black and red. Mm-hmm. That, uh, no one is allowed to wear in, in, in specific. It's a thing that uh, if you have that on and you are not of a certain repute, um, it'll probably incite uh, violence. Um, and this is something that Faliol uh, is able to back up should it, uh, yes. should it arise in a yes. different way um, than he had previous access to. So where we meet with him in a um, as he enters like a it's like a tavern kind of setting, and he's mm-hmm. just he's just there for a bit of a drink and to uh, enjoy uh, reading a, a book that he's brought with him. Yes, uh, and he uh, he uh, he's carrying with him uh, a sword, um, <laughs> an unbuckled sword, <laughs> and uh, a dagger. <laughs> Ooh, uh, by the way, who who ha- also has a uh, 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 whose sheath bo- bore a mirror of polished metal, uh, which now seem more uh, seemed a relic of more dandified days. And I like to imagine that that sheath is also excellent at uh, uh, um, reflecting vampire hypnosis eye lasers. Uh, yes, I, as well. I immediately. That's all I could think of when they mentioned the mirrored, uh, the mirrored sheath. <laughs> he is he is just as dandy as our good uh, Captain Kronos. Yes. Uh but yes, uh, all of his his weapons are kind of just like on him. Uh, he's it, it's not. Uh, mm, they're, I, they're, I like they're dangling and just kind of accessories but not function any longer right um and uh and uh his uh his hair was trimmed monkishly close to the scalp leaving little reminder of a glorious (laughs) a gloriously hair suit era (laughs) hmm and I've then I've highlighted here because this this is this is highlighted within the um the story itself. But possibly the greatest um alteration, the greatest problem and mystery of Faliol's travesty of his own image, which is a wonderful sentence in its own right, was the presence on his face of a pair of spectacles. And given that these spectacles were darkly tinged, as though fashioned from some murky substance, the eyes behind them were obscured. So these are something that he's never had before, and it's it throws off the impression of familiarity that that ostensibly everyone in this town they he's a known figure like right you can't you can't mistake him for someone else until this particular moment, and also it uh, may be an issue if one is uh, drunk at the time yes um uh, although. I I like to personally believe it's uh, everyone's uh, really upset because he wears his sunglasses at night. Um, he does. <laughs> <laughs> he wears them at night. <clears throat> yes, he's in for a, a drink uh, uh, and and a read and uh, 
Every and yes, and also public scrutiny, which I don't think he signed up for. <laughs> yes, I, uh, no. <laughs> I I, I really intention. right. I really like this this introduction where there's there's this uh, uh, sense of of reverence uh, because he is such a uh, 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 an infamous uh, sellsword, uh, coupled with I don't know what happened to him. It's 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 the it's. It feels like like ye old TMZ uh, in a sense of like look hey do you remember the cell sword we won't believe what it looks like now um so <laughs> mm, yeah yes yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely it's a good um like these are signifiers to the reader um, that that something old is couched in the new, but the new is not a it's not a fashion statement. Mm-hmm. It's something of a um a shredding, uh, a discarding of old uh personality. Yes. He he is not who he once was. It's not a this is not him in disguise. Um just blending in it's just he is a different person than who he once was and the book that he is reading is the psalms of the silent uh, yes. which apparently he uh, transcribed perhaps from from elsewhere because it, it the, the, the book itself is covered in his or filled i guess with his um, own handwriting yes um yes mm-hmm. and people people are are, are aghast uh uh yeah, a scholar. Someone whispers, "He because uh, <laughs> clearly he he was not in the business of reading before." Um, there's a there's a uh, uh, funny enough, uh, mainly because uh, this is a, a, a venture that you have uh, recently embarked on. Uh, talking about berserk, it feels like like um, like old like an old guts. That that uh, is no longer killing demons. I I could see that, and I could also see that this echoes um, the opening scenes, I guess, of the Berserk manga. Yes, it's also in a tavern with a swordman, swordsman. Yes, who does a similar thing. So it's just it's the tropes that come along with the this kind of genre uh, uh but to i guess to clarify to continue on with that particular little quote uh it's it's specifically calling out and a scholar of his own grief so i've heard <laughs> which is a wonderful um appellation i think not to have directed at you but just to consider like what that could mean But yes, he is. He's not only being viewed by the general crowd. He's he's calling some attention to himself, but he's called attention specifically from three thuggish men, and then yes. a fourth, a fourth that uh, is also eyeing him in particular uh, with more fixed attention than just a. Uh, everyone else is. They know he's there, but it's a passing notice. 
Right. Like they're, they're not overly concerned with him. However, four, four of these men um, specifically right. are. Uh, uh, three of which uh, uh, stand evenly spaced before him, and he simply ignores them until the tallow candle is basically rendered rendered completely. Um, he just continues to read um, until... Uh, uh, well, it's until it's one of actually, the thugs um, yeah. pinches the, the light out. Right. How rude. Look, I'm just trying to read my right. book here. Uh, and then uh, uh, he proceeds to close the book, as you do when somebody uh, bothers you <laughs> while reading. They they pulled his headphones down. Yes. Yes, they did. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and then they they just they 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 like it 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 is really interesting because building, but there's also it, there's it it it's heavily there's there's a lot of of tropey, um, hmm. and I'm not using that in a in a in a negative way, but you know the 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 sellsword walks into a tavern, he's changed scholarly, and then the three thugs wanna wanna have a have a row and so they accost him while doing nothing um and all of this is because they don't recognize him and would not have been doing this had they understood who he was right and of course nobody's saying anything no one's like hey guys maybe don't do that because it's entertainment (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. Because now everybody's now everybody wants wants to watch these guys get. They just they just want to watch a fight happen, Dave. And these and it feels like these three particular thuggish men um, have caused disturbances in the past, and this is seen maybe as a way to get them to not do that, like yes, ever again. Because that's that's what uh, how this how this sort of plays out. Um, yes, they accost him. Two of them pin him to a wall. Uh, uh, the third snatches his glasses off of his face, uh, and as soon as I'm going to assume, as soon as uh, uh, as as his eyes open, uh, they clench firmly. Uh, he falls to the ground and then begins screaming. Uh, but the screams of a of of a mute under torture. Momentarily, because it ends, he rises to his feet, and the one holding his glasses doesn't realize it. But his two fellows have just been pincushioned by Felioli's uh, yep. or. Uh, Felio's dagger, because he's good at what he do. Yes. They just were... They're cut away with stealth and savagery. Yes. Uh, And and then instructs the, the man holding his glasses to put them on. Um, monotone uh, and uh uh i oh i do like i do like uh, like this phrase 
Put them on, he repeated, in the toneless voice of one who was dead to all appeasement or mercy. That he has he has no there is no mercy. Yes. But, this is uh, save, I guess, this because the, the man wasn't um uh filleted uh instead. But uh yes. we'll we'll slightly slide forward because uh having seen through Faliol's spectacles, the giant was not dying in his body. Only his mind was a corpse. So whatever he saw through those was enough to just annihilate his his uh, consciousness. Yes. Uh, which is terrifying and probably explains is probably probably associated with the, with uh, with his change. I would think, you know, the glasses that just um, wipe your mind kill your brain when you put them on. Hmm. And we we will eventually find out the origin of these glasses and, and what they what they mean um to uh Feliol. Yes. And uh, uh with the with the three uh uncouth ungentlemanly figures uh dispatched the fourth uh figure who was keeping an eye on our solemn hero um d- does meet with him yes out on the street because Haliel's not gonna just hang out in the tavern anymore his business is now ruined and uh he's going to take his his time elsewhere yes you, you know it's it's really hard to get back in that uh that reading mood when you've uh murdered two men and I don't know, shattered a, th- a third's mind with your, your eyewear. Um, it's hard to settle back into a place once mm-hmm. you've done that. However, it would have uh, made for a good, um, like a spaghetti Western kind of yes. feel if he just sat back down and then resumed reading. The, uh, yeah, if the, the resume reading feels like something that Geralt <laughs> would do, actually. Mm. Yes, but... Uh, <laughs> Baliol is he's he's of a cut of a different uh, cloth, and uh, yes, he's taking himself elsewhere. the The man that he meets is Strodon, and this is a person who has hired him for a very specific purpose, uh, a one to make use of Baliol's uh, sword skills. Yes. And what is that purpose, Dave? That purpose is to free his love, uh, the Strodon's love, from the clutches of a sorcerer who has taken away his lady with dark magics. Yes. Because why else would she have left him for another man? Right. Must be magics. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, a young woman of noble and wealthy family, a princess in all but title, who whom Stradone loved and loved him in return. Mm. And I did pull a next uh, quote from this next bit on purpose, uh, but there was also another who was called Winge, I guess. We're going to go with that. Uh, though Stradone referred to him thereafter as the sorcerer. 
As Strodon explained the situation, the sorcerer had appropriated the young woman for himself. This unnatural feat was achieved, Strodon hated to say, not only through the powerful offices of the Duke of Soldori himself, but also with the willing compliance of the young woman's father. She was sold down the river. Yes. Because the sorcerer had given them promise of, uh, the, he's an alchemist, apparently, yes. and is able to uh, finance their uh, ambitions and their their wars they uh, would like to undertake, um, in yes. in return for the the hand of the um, the young woman. Because uh, because as as with uh, all alchemists in all media. They love turning base metals into gold and silver because that, because we live under the gold standard. <laughs> yes. But that's how, or that's the plan um, Strodon has, has conceived of, is getting Paliol to uh, slay the, the sorcerer. Yes. Although I, I, I do, I do think it's, it's interesting that 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 this really well-renowned sellsword has been hired uh, to slay this sorcerer, but like he just once again, he's he's just an alchemist. He's given no examples of any combat prowess or or anything. I, I guess he's just heavily guarded because he's so important to the Duke because of the gold and silver that. You couldn't just hire like a group of thugs to like steal <laughs> her butt. The, the, the three dudes you just watched get killed. They probably would yeah. have tried to do it. Yeah, yeah. I and, from, uh, and I, for less less money. Right. Well, there's always an aspect with things like that, especially when a a fourth player watches that play out. Where I always question, oh, did you just like send those guys over there to harass him to like test? like how capable he is or did they actually just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time um i mean it could be both of those things right hmm. uh but yeah i i like as as the sorcerer big air quotes for me on that one is described i'm just like wait why do you he doesn't seem like he's that hard to kill. I don't know if he's actually magical. You just kind of gave him that name. No, he specifically says he just gave, he just gave him that name. Uh, <laughs> right. Yes. And so, uh, hearkening back to the Mask of the Red Death, um, this plan uh, sort of hinges on all these, these carnival knights uh, and yes. a, a large masquerade party um, being held at the Duke's estate. Uh, Stralone has provided, he is uh, somewhat vainly produced from the shadows of the coach, two such costumes that would enable them to gain entrance into the masquerade. One that was, the, one, what was appropriate to a knight of the old days, and the other a court jester of the same period. However... Falior reached out for the wildly patterned costume with the cheering mask. Right. Strodon's like <laughs> trying to say, no, 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 that's mine. You get the cool uh, one where you could actually have your sword on you because it's a knight costume and that's a thing that's okay. The jesters can't carry a sword. Right. And uh, 
Faliol, of course, says, don't, don't worry about it. Um, I, I don't even need a blade. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Technically speaking, he really doesn't need a blade. And, and, and as to the jesters don't carry swords, I, uh, uh, I, I think Dark Souls 2 will disagree with. <laughs> they carry fire. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and, and they're off. They're off to save uh, Stradon's Lady Fair from, uh, I'm sure, what, what will, what, I'm sure what will be revealed. I say this, even though I already, <laughs> we're already aware what will be revealed. <laughs> well, is probably not what he thinks it is. Um, hmm. But before we get to that, we uh, reach the second section, which is the story of the spectacles. So before reading this section, what did you think the spectacles were going to be? I mean, we only have a small basis of what they do, but what might they be? Uh, I, it, uh, I always, I always kind of like, I always lowball myself with with the the least interesting possibility that I can think of. Like, oh, like they're magic glass that like goes shows the world in a in a different way. Because I I I always feel like when I try to guess things like this, especially this early in a story. I don't have enough reference to make an educated guess, especially uh, in in a story like this where there's just so much mentioned world building without like context. Like this is a, an in media res story. I mean, I mean, most of of the stories we've read in in uh, uh, Grimscribe Dead Dreamer are in media res stories, but this is one where there's history that is being spo- spoken about that there's no context for. So I had no idea where, where, what the glasses were and were made out of was going. Um, what about you, Dave? What did you think these glasses were? No, I didn't have an answer either. I just wanted to pose <laughs> the question, uh, particularly because they were interesting to me because they do something, but the, the nature of them is is not explained at that point, and right. they do something to someone just by virtue of being put on. However, uh, Faliol is not affected uh, in particular, right. at least in the same way. So something that there's no there's no trigger. There's nothing to like let you know what that might be uh, other than we know Valio is different than he once was and is that because of the glasses or in spite of them what you know we have right. no no real idea um, however right. there was su- there's such a prominent um uh item that uh it it bears thinking about and of course uh that's obvious because the guy took the time to do an entire the second chapter um Specifically on the the spectacles. Yes. 
Um, and and we actually pretty quickly uh, we get to it. They don't bury they don't bury the lead no. on the story no. of the spectacles, which is uh, yeah, um, a wizard a wizard made them, um, which. Uh, actually, uh, now that 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 we've set up that there is actual appreciable magic uh, in this in this universe, i.e., having a mage, although that might just be a title too. Um, uh, I'm I'm a little uh, uh, more forgiving for for the the use of sorcerer because okay, there is actually magic instead of just alchemy. And yeah, I'm not gonna split hairs on on the difference between magic and alchemy. No, it would be madness in this context. So we have this section where it is. Um, this is a, a flashback. Yes, and it's kind of from point of view of Faliol. Yes. Sort of. But it's it's not uh, it's an unreliable narration, and we're not given uh, anything other than um, sort of thought processes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he's gone mad at some point in time, and this is this is after his his uh, former service um, as a. Uh, I don't I don't think it was specifically a. So we don't get what he once did but it was sort of some kind of uh, like assassination work or something of that nature right yeah he's 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 done some some dank wet work and has yes. has has paid for it with his sanity hmm and i, I think um it here it is a, it's a bit of a a quote. So, but I have provoked another new, th- another thing, a new madness which arises from a world that is on the wrong side of light, a madness that is unsanctioned and without the seal of our natural selves. It is a forbidden madness, a saboteur from outside the body of known laws. And as you know, I have been the subject of its devastation. And he's he he talks again as a, a little bit long winded about um, the nature of his dreams and the fact that they are nightmare. Um, it's it's basically it's post traumatic stress disorder. That's what he's yes. experiencing to a magnified degree. Yes, like this is this is gone beyond general stresses. It's it's it's. it's mentally like wrecked him completely yeah. uh and he sees he sees these um a forest of uh not t- trees but tall pikes uh with severed heads um fixed to them and you could read this as perhaps um the victims of his uh his uh, exploits over the years yes that's how i took it personally mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says, uh, these, these heads all wear faces which would forever blind the one who saw them anywhere but in a dream. And they follow my movements, not with earthly eyes, but with shadows rolling in empty sockets. Sometimes the heads speak as I pass through their uncanny ranks, telling me things I cannot bear to hear. Nor can I shut out their words, and I listen until I have learned the horrors of each brutal head. And the voices from their lacerated mouths, so clear, so precise to my ears, that every word is a bright flash in my dreaming brain. 
and then my favorite phrase, a brilliant new coin minted for the treasure house of hell. <laughs> I don't think you can find a more evocative phrase. I mean, you can, but uh, it is a very evocative it is set of a set of images. Um, yes, it is. Uh, it explains. Yes, that that sounds like that would induce madness if if I mm. was uh, forced to repeatedly uh, <laughs> uh, deal with those uh, uh, mental illusions. Mm. And and he has a further problem because he, he while he knows those are dreams, they are things that intrude upon his waking life. Right. And he he begins to lose track of when he's dreaming and when he's not. And he's calling into question even the existence of this um this mage, this sorcerer, uh, that he's currently speaking to and saying that um y- you might not you might as well also not be real. I can't I can't tell anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying. I'm looking for help, but there's perhaps there's not even a need to be found. That I'm still just trapped in my own nightmare, right? Um, yes, the the classic "What is real?" If I can't determine if uh, what is real and unreal, they both have equal weight and are both equally as real and unreal. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's a validity to the horror um, because if it never ends, then it that makes it real. Yep. Yeah, exactly. If the, if 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 there's absolutely no way for one to discern whether or not the the, the nightmare <laughs> the, the, the you are in a nightmare, it it, it is it is your reality. Um, Oh, hey, surprise! That's that's uh, startlingly Lovecrafty. It is, and I would also say this is um, you could parallel this with um, the Nightmare of Mensis in Bloodborne. Yes, absolutely. Because 100%. that's that's the quintessential tra- trapped in a dream, uh, unable to escape, and just being driven to further madness because of right. that. And and not love- knowing you're dreaming at some point because that's all you know, right? Or or being being real real cool with it being a dream and your ruined library uh, and full of uh, hmm, ironically enough puppets. Uh- <laughs> yes, <laughs> puppets on on strings uh, to the infinity into the cosmos. Yes. Hmm. I wonder why that would be relevant. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> right Very now. <laughs> Very quickly. And so they they have um this is this is the <laughs> this is the mage speaking speaking to our our dear hero. You have envisioned precisely what you have been made to envision, and nothing that has risen from your own true being. But how could you have known this, when it is the nature of what you have seen, this anima mundi of the oldest philosophers and alchemists, to deceive and to pose as the soul of another world, and not as the soul of the world we know? There is only one world, 
and one soul of that world which appears in the form of beauty or bravery or madness according to how anima mundi would turn you and no ordinary devising may turn you away from what it wills this is the power that has made what you uh, made you what you are now and would unmake you for its own design it has played with you as it would a puppet So this is a scathing indictment of the idea of free will and predestination. Because if predestination is a thing, then you are but a puppet in its uh, hands. Yes. Yes. No. uh, Yep. Hey, hey, you know what I you know what I like, audience and Dave? I like agency and predestination is completely predestination fate is completely antithetical to the concept of agency and is in and is inevitably existentially terrifying. Mm. And so what what could you but hope to do? Because uh Faliol uh here says then I will make myself its destruction. Yes. That's fair enough. Yeah, I'll just destroy yeah, fate. I will just destroy it because that's my that's my new thing, you know. Uh, I'm going to hit it. He's going to break through. Uh, but he's countered here. You cannot. Your very wish to destroy it is not yours, but that of the thing itself. You right. are not who you are. You are only what it would have you be. <laughs> and again, Faliol, you speak as if it were a god of deceit and illusion, the mage. There is no other or truer way to speak of it. But no further words now. Finish the mage. And this is where he, he gives him the fancy spectacles. Yes. Hmm. And here again, uh, the, the, the mage has a long-winded speech where I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm just going to distill it down to this small excerpt. Now, for what reason I cannot say, Anima Mundi has revealed itself to you in, this most, in its most essential aspect, that of chaos at feast. This is a central theme in um, the beginning and the the through line of um, the Gaudi's philosophy in the conspiracy against the human race. Yes, and he's calling it out line by line, specifically this chaos at feast, um, his chosen phrasing, uh, and again, it is a, a piece of art that that idea. And also horror, or like horror, existentially terrifying. Yes. As is like the entire conversation he's having with this mage. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Which you know, once again, creates uh, uh, a kind of kind of a weird, weird situation because given given what the mage says, um, the mage's actions aren't aren't his own. He's just fulfilling his part it's all it's it's a play it's a play for no one <laughs> yes and and then here um 
it's it's more effective to read this bit than me just to say it outright. Uh, your world is presently black with the scars of madness, but you must make it blacker still in order to find any solace. Uh, and as an aside, these are central themes within Berserk, but that's yep. ignore there. You have seen both too much and not enough. The, through the shadow-fogged lenses of these spectacles, you will be blinded so that you may see with greater sight. Through their darkly clouded glass, Anima Mundi will diffuse into nothingness before you. What would murder another man's mind will bring yours peace. And then a bit more, but it finishes off with, All will be dulled in the power of your vision, which will give you the ability to see that the greatest power, the only power, is to care for nothing. <laughs> Let's all just become nihilists. Yes. Because there's nothing. Although it, although although so far hasn't presented itself as 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 nihilism, more it's not it's not not it's it's like the ultimate pessimism. Yeah. Um. Um. um yes. Um. Um. <laughs> ingrained indifference. Mm, yeah. Nihilism doesn't go far enough. It just doesn't reach the level of, it's like apathy in, like, tied up in disdain and yeah. uh, I don't know what else. There's a lot going on here, even though it seems on at first blush like a simple tenant. Right. So. Yeah, because yes, it is. Yeah, it's. It, it's it's resignation it's yeah it's a bunch of of things that mm. hu that humans by their very nature uh, uh, as humans should should not uh, uh adopt it, mm, is is psychologically unhealthy to adopt as a worldview <laughs> hmm. and we'll we'll get into that specifically when we get to the the other book um, yes. After we go through these, so let's let's soldier on. As, yes, uh, Feliol is uh, want to do. Uh, this brings into the the third act, the Anima Mundi, and yes. they are now at the the party. I didn't pull much quotes from this at all because it's uh, it's fairly straightforward. They they go to the party and they locate the excuse me the room where uh, the two figures, uh, a king and queen, um, are, are are two figures dressed as a king and queen are are located in the the, the midst of this revelry. Yes, and um, uh, <clears throat> so so I. <clears throat> I've forgotten it. Sol, no, not Solari. That's the place that they're at. Um, it is. Oh no! Oh, well, I've lost his name. Anyway, um, our our hirer, um, decked out in the night revelry, uh, is is uh, he's found his targets: the mage and his lady friend, who are dressed as the king and queen, respectively. Yes, and it's Stradolin. Yes, there we go. 
sometimes my brain don't do the thing. Mm. And at this point, um, Faliol requests that his, his employer take the, the young lady, um, and retire to another part of the, uh, estate. And he, uh, personally will go deal with the mage in disguise. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And we find specifically the reason why he did not need to bring a blade and the reason he's been slightly more amb <clears throat> ambivalent about this whole plan than, uh, than his employer was led to believe. And this is because the, the mage, the sorcerer of ill repute, is none other than the same one who had uh, worked together and provided Valiol with the glasses in the first place. Yes. Who is his, his true employer in this endeavor? <clears throat> what a plot twist. Yes. Surprise. It's actually a good one. I, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I did not uh, either. Um, I think, I think it's specifically because they, uh, the, the sorcerer, uh, is 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 never really described, uh, but mm. the mages and the mages described as 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 wizened, ancient, uh, cloudy eyed man, uh, and so you just uh, wouldn't assume that the sorcerer who who seduced uh, 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 this this lady fair away. Um, would be the 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 old ancient mage. Yes, so it's a it's a good play on the goddess part. Um, the two of them talk uh, a bit, and it's in it's in tones that we're not privy to. Uh, however, something's happening uh, elsewhere in the palace at this gathering. Yes, there's r rumor and word uh, of some semblances most closely akin to giant leeches or worms uh, among the revelers. Uh, it's uh, originally thought to be someone in, in to people in costume, but uh, the disguise was possessed of countless tiny legs and uh, they were discovered to be inhuman in nature, having many taloned claws, reptilian tails, serpent faces, uh, chimeric uh, composition which could neither be man nor woman and past all of this and because of all of this there's only one thing that could uh, eventually happen and these uh, the, 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 the logical conclusion were that these bizarre intruders were hacked and torn and trampled uh, due to the sheer revulsion that they inspired yes but something happens when the uh, the intruders are dispatched thusly. What what happened? Oh man, I am time finding that section. I do have it pulled up, so I will. <laughs> I will just yes, it. yes, please. <laughs> 
Tragically, once the massacre was accomplished, it was not the slaughtered remnants of two uncanny monsters that the masqueraders, their masks removed, looked down upon. Instead, it was two of their own, a knight and queen of the old days, whose blood was spreading across the, across the ornate designs of the palace floor. Bodies, yeah, right. which were which they had feared would be lastingly parted, were now all but indistinguishable from one another. Yep. Bad end for... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, this uh, visual novel reached its bad end. Yes. I mean, I mean, honestly, this story would probably actually work pretty well as a visual novel, I think. Um... Uh... Yeah, the uh, you, you, no one gets away clean. Uh, it's unclear whether is is this like uh, um, I read this as as the 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 seduction of 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 the lady fair was was an ordained thing, and by by uh, changing that fate. Um, the universe uh, literally convinced uh, the townsfolk that they were uh, aberrant creatures that needed to be destroyed in order to set things back on 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 its its path that it wanted. It, it, it yeah, I, I read it that way too, and then we get um, this sort of. Uh, strange um hap it's not really a happenstance it's a uh event so things are further not all that they seem because the the the, the devious sorcerer um makes his his grand entrance um decked out in the in the library of a king and he he calls out to Faliol and um tells him it's a strange assurance that um, the the hacked bodies and spirits that he he sees strewn about the floor, um, they don't worry about them. They're they're safe within my like my pocket, <laughs> right? And they're they're not lost to forever. Um, they are just changed in their aspect. And the voice that he hears from the mask is not uh, that which he expected. Um, it's now uh, someone else. And uh, this, this is uh this bit outrages um, Valiol. He's, he's requesting where the mage is. Uh, but uh, instead um, he, he comes to understand that this is in fact the, um, this is the Duke of the Manor who previously employed uh, Faliol. Yes. And the ma- it was the mage who had tried to turn um, Faliol against his, his previous existence. And then uh, here's, a, I guess, a small quote. So, yes, it was your mage who had wasted his soul, arrested his soul from me and believed he could do the same for you. Blame him for the slaughter of those innocents and for what you're about to suffer. You know my ways. We are not strangers. And so this is technically, this is a, it's a sort of demon. Yeah. I guess it's, nothing is explained and that's fine. It works for, for the story. Um, 
this it's a hmm, it's a matroshka doll of like faustian deals yes because it seems that Faliol had had originally made uh deals with this being um to to gain his um prowess with the sword he had he had been right. a, da- a, a dandy man um and uh not good for much else than looking good uh he gained employ and uh sword skills uh all all for that to kind of wear him down mentally um emotionally and then sought refuge in the the powers of the mage um to be, to be gifted a second gift this uh, cuz he was given a pendant i believe from the the first encounter and then given uh another treasure in the in the in the form of the spectacles this is yes. sort of a um hmm it's kind of a riff on just all general uh riff it's a reverse hero's journey yes it's where he you you're you or i guess the fall the downfall of the hero where they make the journey they're under they meet the wise man or the magician and gain some gift they need to accomplish their thing uh, but that way it it lies doom like it right. wasn't a successful endeavor uh and it's just led to his own uh, you know eventual sort of demise Right. Yes, the 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 gift given, the payment for the gift given is 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 the loss of his agency. He mm. believes he believes that he is now now uh uh he he's this competent sellsword uh but but the the price then becomes his sanity uh from from all of the uh murder from the cell sword. So the 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 mage is essentially every important uh figure uh in his life that gives him a new power disguised as someone else. It's, it's yes, it's it's just your agency was lost the moment you came to me the very first time and nothing that you've done has been of your actual own free will. Hmm. And that's and that's the this sort of demonic figure. Um the mage is separate and someone who was beholden to that figure as well because the mage broke free somehow of that of that deal, of that bargain and was attempting to to assist Faliol in in the same uh sense of freedom. But right. It just it wasn't enough because they were both eventually. Well, the mage was killed. I we guess by uh, by this figure, and the entire time. So the the pendant and less so the glasses uh, are uh, as if a hero was given the sort of monkey's paw gift. Yes. Exactly. Um and to to further exacerbate that it it um it turns out that all of the the traumatic stress that the visions and the dreams and the nightmares that he was experiencing were all uh planted given by this the first entity 
um, mm-hmm. just to, to drive him back into service. Right. But Thaliol took a different path and, and ended up getting the spec. Like he sought outside help instead of what was intended was for him to come back to the fold, you know, to, to request help from his, uh, his erstwhile master. Yes. And, um, yeah, the, 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 the method Thaliol has chosen, um, is, is called into question. Um, he's, he's, uh, He's asked a question, what is the face of the soul of the world? And uh, Thaliol is answering, no, it's not a face, it's only... And he doesn't he doesn't get to continue, because it's, it's sort of interrupted, saying, yes, there is a face, Thaliol, and you will see it, uh, said the masked figure as it peeled away its mask, because this, this is the Anima Mundi in um, Avatar form, yes. I'm guessing. Yes. But why have you hidden your eyes that way, Faliol? And why have you fallen to your knees? Do you not appreciate the vision I have showed you? Could you have ever have imagined that your existence would lead you into the presence of such a sight? Your spectacles cannot save you now. They are only so much glinting glass. Hark to my grinding them underfoot upon the cool marble of the floor. No more spectacles, Faliol. And I think, too, no more Faliol. Can you understand what I'm telling you now, Jester? Well, what have you to say? Nothing? How black your madness must be to make you so rude. How black. But see, even if you will not, how I have provided these escorts to show you the way back to the carnival, which is where a buffoon belongs. And be sure that you may make my legions of admirers laugh, or I will punish you. Yes, I can still punish you, Faliol. A living man can always be punished, so remember to be good. I will be watching. I am always watching. Farewell then, fool. And so this is his, it's, it's, it's sort of a final downfall, but, uh, Faliol has one last card to play. Yes. Uh, 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 he, he's got the, he's got the, uh, he's got the old Lovecraft special. Um, did, hey, did you, hey, did you see something, something real bad? You want to not see it again? Just claw your eyes out. That's how it works. You have a cure for that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, a a final thing because uh, as he <laughs> as he dug out the awful seeds of his suffering, uh, it it killed him. Yes. Ooh, uh, so. uh, I I I like to I I like to assume that it's because. It's because the, he, uh, the Anima Mundi, uh, no, no longer has any use for him, uh, because his, his eyes are now ruined. It's, it's the seeing that was, was the point. Yes. You needed to see to live. Yes. Or at least provide some use. I I really mm-hmm. like I I think I I I land on the he, he has become he has become a useless agent not because he's blind but because he he cannot uh, 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 take in uh, the horrors of 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 his experience, mm. um, and and thus the the 
the essence of the entity simply removes him. Yeah, it's a it's a what use is the the puppet with with its strings cut? Yes. Hmm. And also, um, death is apparently the final answer. <laughs> yep. Hey, guess what? That huh, that's a theme. To, yeah, that that's a, a theme. Huh, strange. I would not have expected that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of puppets, our next tale: Doctor Voke and Mister Veach. Yes. Horrible names. Or I guess excellently horrible names. I don't they they invoke a feeling, a specific feeling that I don't like, and mm-hmm. um, it's well chosen for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I once again we we start in media res. <laughs> The, uh, we've got, we've got our two, we've got our, I like to, I like to imagine that they're, um, um, they're, uh, uh, dark machinations, Laurel and Hardy. Um, yes, or, um, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's close. (laughs) Um, and they're just, just climbing a staircase. Um, uh, is it Veach? Veach uh, yes, is where it is. It is Mr. Veach on his way to meet Dr. Voke to yes. solve a problem. Because, of course, you have to have a problem when you want to go seek the help from, uh, a wizard. And Dr. Voke is not, not emphatically a wizard, but, um, he is, uh, a wise man atop, a wise man atop a mountain. But this mountain, yes. ca- in, in this particular case, being a sort of weird hovel uh, on top of a staircase. Yes. Veach uh, 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 is wearing a long, brightly colored coat. Um, the uh, railing of the staircase is splintery. His his stuff's getting uh, uh, ca- uh, his his coat. Uh, uh, cuffs are getting caught on it. There's splinters in his hands. He- Ripping all over his coat to get to the top. It's it's really a hassle to get to this to this to this uh, uh, Voke, this Doctor Voke, because because he doesn't maintain his property particularly. Dave, I don't think so. And it's also a, a sort of um, ambiguous nature of these stairs because uh, Veach is constantly he's making very slow progress. Right, because each step feels like it may, in fact, be made out of clay and is soft. But as he looks back, um, he's not leaving any kind of in, imprint in the in the surface of the stairs. But they mm-hmm. just they don't feel reliable in any sense right. of the word. Right, or or are there even stairs? This is all kind of left to the imagination. Right. Uh, yes, there is. There is a distinct feeling immediately. Of we are unsure whether this is actually taking place because it, once again it starts with him on the staircase. There is there's no lead up to it. He is already in transit to meet Doctor Voke when when the story begins. So we have hmm. no point of reference. No, other than it's stating specifically that there's a, a black abyss 
um, beyond the, the railing of the stairs. Right. Hmm. It's, um, it's very painterly. <laughs> and the, the, when he arrives, there's a single door and he goes into the loft beyond, um, which apparently appears to be a cross between a playroom and a place of torture. There are all manner of things buried in the shadows. And it takes the time to discuss that the ceiling itself may not exist. Um, the, sh- the shadows beyond the beams of the rafters uh, are um, immutable. Yes. Uh, and there are... Um, I pulled a quote because there's there's a lot. It takes the time to describe everything in like very specific detail. But uh, what what all we need is this. Indeed, much of the inventory of this vast room appears only as parts and pieces of objects which manage to push their way out of the smothering dark. Because everything right. that's described is in uh, snips, in 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 phrases of ideas, in portions of objects. Yes. Bits of, uh, well, we find out specifically bits of puppets. Yes. And all. Yes. Mm. Uh, yes, in fact, let's see. Somewhere above the gritty floor, more than a few life-sized dolls hang suspended by wires which glisten like wetted strands of a spider's web. But none of the doll but none of the dolls is seen in whole. The long beak uh the long beaked profile of one juts into the light. The shiny satin legs of another find their way out of out of the upper dimness. A beautifully pale hand glows in the distance. Well, much closer to the better part of a harlequin dangles into view, cut off at the neck by blackness. So yes, it it, it is. Uh, it it there is there is a, a a a painful amount of of wordsmithing used to uh, absolutely imply that it is these these things are not. Concealed by darkness, that the darkness is an actual palpable thing that uh, these are emerging from, almost hmm. like portals. And there's a there's a final um, bit of description uh, here, and this this draws a few parallels to things we've covered in the past. It reads as one wonders then how they could add up to such an atmosphere of isn't repose the word? Yes but a certain kind of repose, the repose of ruin. (laughs) He picks, he picks the phrases. This pulls um, to mind multiple things. um, And the the first and foremost of those being um, the Unico films. Yes. Yes. And the, 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 the the ruined uh, castle, um, in the, uh, is it the Isle of Magic? It's the first one we want uh, to believe. Yes, not the Isle, Island of Magic, the second one, but if, I can't remember the subtitle of the first. But yes, the Duke's 
ruined yes. the castle. Yes. That and simultaneously, because of the scattered and ruined um, artifacts, it, it, it is the other part um, where they go to the island to find the, the giant uh, horse. Oh, yes. The end of the world. Yes. yes. Where all of the unloved, unwanted things up in uh and in, in, in ash lake yes so those those two things are uh what this reminded me of yes uh that is that is a very good pull that is actually exactly what it reminded me of uh mainly due to the uh heavy level of puppet in in unico island of magic um <laughs> I want I want the puppet rating like a puppet density gauge for for media now. Yeah, um, we're we're surpassing that, I think. I think this <laughs> this book is going to crush any and all um uh, puppet gauging Pu- puppet records. Mhm. It will be the new baseline for the puppet record. Yes. And we we get here a um in addition, the dummy, <laughs> uh, which is another direct call into um, conspiracy against the human race. Yes, the it's particularly this line because it it's just a thing. Uh, so Veach is he finds uh it's not it's not Zardoz it is um what's the What's the weird fortune telling dummy from um, Big? Oh yeah, uh, 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 I can't remember from Big the mm. Great. Yeah, that guy. He's here. Yeah, um, he's here in in weird uh, ventriloquist dummy form. I don't know what else to call it. I don't know what this is. Just a dummy. Um, however, mm-hmm. I guess it's it's uh the quote here is the dummy's face is vacant and handsome. Its eyes roll like mad marbles. Again, I think almost it's almost a word for word um pull from the the prologue of Conspiracy Against Human Race. Yes. And that and 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 the fortune teller is Zoltar. Zoltar. Okay, there we go. So this is a, a more handsome yet more uh, disturbing um Zoltar. Yes. Because it, it laughs. It laughs a mechanical laugh of ya ha 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 ha. Ya ha 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 ha. I think you get the picture. It's disconcerting, to say the least. However, it can just stop because uh, Voke, uh, Voke himself appears and gives us a uh, giant Legadian uh, theory. <laughs> yep. Mm. I'll just quote it because it needs to be said. Uh, I say, did you ever wonder what it is that makes the animation of a wooden dummy so terrible to see? Not meant not to mention to hear. Listen to it. I mean, really listen. Ya ha 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 ha. An eerie series of sounds that becomes excruciatingly eloquent when uttered by the ticket man. So this is the ticket man, the dummy. They are a species of poetry that sings what should not be sung, that speaks what should not be spoken. But what in the world is it laughing about? Nothing, it would seem. No clear motives or impulses make the dummy laugh. And yet it does. But what is this laughter for? 
you might well ponder. It seems to be for your ears alone, doesn't it? It seems to be directed at every part of your being. It seems knowing. And it is knowing. But in another way from what you suppose. In another direction entirely. It is not you the dummy knows. It is only itself. The question is not, what is the laughter for? Not at all. The question is, where does it come from? This, in fact, is what inspires your apprehension. While the dummy does terrorize you, his terror is actually greater than yours. <laughs> yes. Hmm. <laughs> yes, we... and then it, there's a, it goes on slightly. I'll pull one smaller, smaller excerpt. Yes. This is something too painful for tears, and so the dummy laughs in your face, trying to give vent to a horror that was no part of his old home of wood and paint and glass. But this horror is the very essence of its new world, our world, Mr. Veach. This is what is so terrible about the laughing ticket man. And then, of course, he has to, he has to interject, Be glad I didn't make one that screams. Right. That is that is distilled Legati. Yep. Uh, yes, I. Every aspect of that plays into the the conspiracy against the human race. Um, it feels like it was just taken out of chapter one, um, which is unsurprising. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah, it it it, it laughs. Yes, it laughs at its own existence. <sighs> Were that I had a mirror. Wait. Hmm. <laughs> Very heartening. This uh, this particular tale. Yes. So. In interest of time and because of this particular tale's format, we're just going to kind of cut to the chase. Uh, Mr. V, or uh, yes, Mr. Veach um, has a quandary. He come here. He's come here with a problem, and he would like it to be solved. Uh, much like the last tale, he has a, a lady friend that he's quite interested in, who has taken interest in another man. Um, he feels that that interest is not supposed to be mutual. Um, he's basically just jealous that uh, he, he he's not the object of her attentions. So right. he puts it to um, Dr. Voke that he would like a solution to this problem. And Dr. Voke, uh, he says he's not, he's not a magician. He can't just do miracles. Um, he can perhaps... Um, propose a solution, but it's not one that he has control of. It's just something that can happen to um, clear up the problem that uh, Mr. Beach right. has. Uh, and his his proposition is thus to uh, for, for Mr. Veach to escort um, both his lady friend and her paramour to a certain street uh, and and to guide them along the street and in the course of doing so, uh, his problem will be solved. Right. It might be solved. It might, it might get it, taken care it, of. Yes, and there's no way to um, determine, like, the effect of it. It's something that's going to happen that will clear things up. 
Yeah. And if Mr. Veach is okay with that, and there's no promises being made one way or the other, because he doesn't do promises, right. uh, then give it a shot, because it uh, it may just solve what ails you. Exactly. Uh, the, 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 the vaguest of uh, solutions. Yes. Yeah, which which makes it extra sinister of of listen, can't tell you what's going to happen. I don't know if anything will happen. If something happens, it might help you. Might not, but this is your option. That's that's the end of my involvement in mm. this is is I say you know, it's presented at as the end of his involvement, but like, yeah, you just figure it out, and maybe you get what you want. You yeah. Leave it and, to leave it to fate. And if you don't like it, don't blame me because I'm not directly involved. Right. It's just a thing that I've suggested to you that you could try. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder how that's gonna pan out. Uh, poorly. Uh, it's a Thomas Ligotti story, Dave. It's going to pan uh, out. Yes. Even <laughs> Thomas Ligotti has to write a happy ending sometime. Come on. Mm. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Nope. Yep. Um, and there's there's a, a section uh, lovingly crafting this weird street with its pointed uh, buildings. Um and buildings that sway so slightly in the wind. Uh, maybe. <laughs> because everything yeah. here is a weird dreamland. But yes, so... Uh, as I mentioned, we're just gonna... We'll just get right to it. So, Veach has, has, has done his tour guide duty. Um, and here we are. One moment, Veach is drowsily conversing with his two companions, both of them looking sternly suspicious at this point. The next moment, it is as if they are two puppets who have been whisked upwards on invisible strings into the fog and out of sight. It all happens so suddenly that they do not make a sound, though a little later there are faint, hollow screams from high above. Veach has fallen to his knees and is covering his face with both hands. Two went up, but only one comes down. A single form suspended an arm's length above the stone-paved street and twisting a bit, as if at the end of a hangman's rope. Veach uncovers his eyes and looks at the thing. Yes, there is only one. But this one has too many. There's too much of everything on this body. Two faces sharing a single head. Two mouths that have fallen silent forever, with parted lips. The thing continues to dangle in the air, even after Veach has completely collapsed on the street of wavering peaks. Well, the plan worked? Uh, no, it did not. <laughs> it didn't the, do the thing he wanted. The, the problem is solved. But the problem is solved. <laughs> I mean, essentially, yeah, the problem is solved. It's something Veach will not have to worry about anymore. Yep. 
uh, yeah, I'm sure Voke uh, was totally okay with this outcome, and that the that there will be absolutely zero fallout from this incident whatsoever. Uh, the end. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is yeah. No, uh, Voke breaks into Beach's <laughs> loft, swapping around. Um, Mister Beach yep. breaks into Doctor Voke's loft. Yes. Uh. Uh, evoke, uh, he's upset. He's clearly, clearly distressed. <laughs> uh, clearly distressed over, over, over the problem. Uh, yes, Veach has a bone or two to pick with Voke, but, um, he's, he's, uh, he's a little, he's a little off. Um, he is found, um, giggling and crying um in the company of the ticket man. Yes. Um and yes, uh you know, uh uh, uh Mr. Veach uh, uh as I stated, clearly distressed um and and upset and uh um highlights the irony of 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 the uh transmutation uh Insane. Uh, they wanted each other, and now they have each other. Two by two, they have become one, while you are free to move on to your next disaster. I would even continue that, that quote, actually. Oh. Wait, wait one moment. I know what's bothering you says Volk with sudden enlightenment. You're distressed because it all ended up with their demise and not yours. Death is always the best thing, Mr. Veach. But who would have thought you could appreciate such a view? I've underestimated you. No doubt about it. My apologies. Hmm. 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 I smell, I smell some theming going on. And it and it doesn't end there. Hmm. And this again is uh, Voke, because he's been stirred to excitement, and he's uh, he, he's just, just uh, Vija's just like lost his mind. Yes, within grief and I don't know what else, existential crisis. I think is what happened here. Uh. Take a lesson from the ticket man here. Do you see him whining? No. He's silent. He's still. A dummy's silence is the most soothing silence of all, and his stillness is the perfect stillness of the unborn. He could be making a fuss, but he isn't. And it is precisely his lack of action, his unfulfilled nature, that makes him the ideal companion, my only true friend. Dead would I adore you. Look at how his hands rest upon his lap in empty prayer. Look at the noble bearing of his collapsed and powerless limbs. Look at his numb lips, muttering nothing. And look at those eyes, how they gaze on and on forever. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. It's all bad. It's all it's... bad. <laughs> but is it? Um, 
Well, something's <laughs> yes. happened. Some, something's happened here because uh, now the dummy's eyes have changed. They are dripping little drops of blood, which roll slowly down shiny cheeks. And that uh, is anathema to Volk. Yes. He, he now... He now is incensed with uh, Mr. Veach, who he feels has tampered with his uh, beautiful existence of the, the, the ticket man. And something else, something else happens here because Veach uh, is, is he, in his anguish and anger is um, searching for a weapon to dispatch Voke, who he sees as uh, ruining the bargain that they had come to. Right. Even though he was very, he was very clear mm. when, when they came to that bargain that he had no control over what happened. And it's all, it, it, this is, I, I, it's quick aside, this is always one of my favorite, like, of this type of story, uh, where a deal is made where the deal maker says, listen, you go to this location, you do this thing. I can't promise you what any results, but you might get what you want. I always love the the um, protagonist's uh, yeah, incensed ire after it goes uh, badly for them, uh, even though they were told that I I don't make the rules and determine what happened. It's mm-hmm. It's a really interesting. It's always a really interesting study of 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 human character when that's the trope that is used. Yes, and then and then this particular instance, um, there's a little bit more coming into play. Um, Veach, uh, because the thing he used or that was going to use as a weapon was a. Um, it's a coffin, and it's a particularly important one to uh, Voke, as I believe everything in this place is a particularly important thing to Voke. But this one holds uh, more significance than uh, the rest, because it it immediately uh, sparks um, Voke's rage. And he, uh, as we see... Um, does have some agency in what transpired with uh, Mr. Veach and his, his two friends. Yes. Because he says clearly here, I've done my best, best for you, Mr. Veach, and you've given me nothing but grief. I've tried to deliver you from the fate of your friends, but now I deliver you to it. And he... He... Puppet uh, abducts him into... <laughs> cosmos i guess pup ducks him into the cosmos i i everyone's a puppet the strings were already there the whole time (laughs) because just yanked him into yes into the (laughs) unknown yes as, as a puppet would um and then we go towards a really there's a really in Bizarre aside, um, because uh, there's mention of a coffin. A coffin suddenly comes into play. Mm, uh, the the uh, one that uh, Veach was trying to use as a weapon. Yes. Yes. Um, 
and uh, inside of that coffin is is a beautiful young lady uh uh and uh dead and 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 apparently perpetually uh gorgeous preserved yes yes um like 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 a puppet uh and 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 Voke has has an incident I I I this this part of the story came out of nowhere for me so I I I I don't know how to feel about it because it it it, it it's just here now <laughs> do you have it okay <laughs> so it's here and he's already made clear his stance on life and death mm-hmm. because death is the best thing yes uh, we we don't know what he normally does to sustain himself but his um this idea of the repose of ruin uh is is in fact something that voke um it's not that he's cherishing but something he also represents you're right because these are both like a aged and decrepit men right um, which which it, we didn't say but that's what is going on um and then uh here uh through complete absence of mind or perhaps because his, he had momentarily gained possession of himself voke makes his way out of the loft and is now laughing into the dark abyss beyond the precarious railing at the top of the crooked stairway his final laugh seems to stick in his throat as over the railing he falls without a sound, which is the, the moment in time, I think, that um, incensed you so, because it does, it is abrupt. Uh, and the, the, the final bit to this, uh, I will just continue on with because it's, it's important. Um, Thus the screams you now hear are not those of the plummeting Voke or the hapless Veach, both of them gone into what dark regions none can say, nor are they the last echoes of Prena and Lamb, his uh, Veach's two friends, cries of horror. These screams, the ones from beyond the doorway at the top of the stairs, belong only to a helpless dummy who now feels warm drops of blood sliding down his lacquered cheeks, for the ticket man has been left alone and alive in the shadows of an abandoned loft and his eyes are rolling like mad marbles this is the introduction of consciousness to a being that should never have had it yep and that is the mission statement the thesis of uh conspiracy against the human race yes Yep, mm. it is. It is a. It is a. This is, is the a, succinct distilling of it. Yeah. So <laughs> not not only are we but um, helpless puppets uh, set to the whims of a mad chaotic god, but ones that are aware of their uh, ultimate predicament. And yes, were we not to be aware. Uh, life would be a very different thing. <laughs> Lovely. Yep. Yep. 
But guess what? We have one final tale. And this one really isn't a tale. This is more of a, an easy segue into discussing conspiracy against the human race. Yes, because it's, 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 it, it, it is, it is more of, of a lecture than anything else. A lecture, a statement. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the least, it is, it is, it is it, not a narrative. It, it's not it, a narrative. It is not couched as a fiction. This is this is literally Professor Nobody's little lectures on supernatural horror. Yes. And I've pulled three, three four, four small quotes. They're short um, little segments. Really, they're, yes. they're couched in the same manner that um, conspiracy eventually is. So the first segment is the eyes that never blink. Um, this is it's like I said there's not a through line in this aside from like the the, the topic but uh, I guess the bit I pulled is, is reads as such just a little doubt slipped into the mind a little trickle of suspicion in the bloodstream and all those eyes of ours one by one open up to the world and see its horror then no belief or body of laws will guard you. No friend, no counselor, no appointed personage will save you. No locked door will protect you. No private office will hide you. Not even the solar brilliance of a summer day will harbor you from horror. For horror eats the light and digests it into darkness. Yep. That hey hey you know what that horror is? It's knowledge. Knowledge it is bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like any, any and all knowledge. Yes. Hmm. Understanding, understand, understanding how we perceive the world is is the most deleterious thing a human being can possibly experience. Hmm. I. It's it's awareness of that we can try to perceive the world in the first place. Right. Is the the, the problem. And uh it, 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 this is weird little section, so this is the next section's on morbidity. Um the bit I've pulled is, but this world is not all a romantic sanctum for the darkened spirit. So let us condemn it for a moment, this deep end of dejection. Though there is no name for what me might be called the morbid man's sin, it is still se it still seems in violation of some deeply ingrained morality. The morbid man does not appear to be doing himself or others any good. And while we know all the melancholic moping and lugubrious ruminating are quite palatable as side effects, side dishes of existence, he has turned them into a house specialty. Ultimately, however, he may meet this charge of wrongdoing with a simple, what of it? Because this is in reference to um, people couching themselves in... Um, Morbidity, yes, uh, like in all of its glory, he's seeking yeah. the shadows behind the scenes of life. This is the um, the the goth taken to the furthest extreme, the the, the pessimist, 
the yes, they, they, yes, they enrobe themselves uh, in the morbidity. It is the, their ability to see becomes their badge of honor. It is, it is, uh, it is, it is the the uh, second sight uh, that understanding how morbid uh, the the human existence is becomes becomes a badge of honor. Mm. It's a badge of honor, but at the same time, um, this this is acknowledging that that kind of mode of existence, that mode of thinking, is something anathema to general society, and society yes. disdains. Um, these individuals because precisely because they are seeing no good in um, the day-to-day existence. Right. And firing back the, uh, I guess it's callous. It's that what of it. So the morbid man cares not for your judgment. Right. He's just going to do the thing. Yeah, because what does it matter? It none of none of it. Yeah, you're being upset because I'm morbid is is pointless mm-hmm. because everything about the human experience is pointless. So yeah. you cannot shame me into compliance. Yeah, and then the the final bit of this this particular segment. Um, but as the sower of vice, if only in his own soul, the morbid man incurs the following censure, and this is what we just discussed, that he is a symptom or a cause of dis- decay within both individual and collective spheres of being. He is the problem, not existence being the problem, is the view of general society. And, like, or, and decay, like every other process of becoming, hurts everybody. Good, shouts the morbid man. Not good, counters the crowd. Both positions betray dubious origins, one in resentment, the other in fear. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the the conspiracy against the human race will dive into this with um, glorious abandon. Uh, and this this section ends uh, with a nice little little tidbit here. Meanwhile, the morbid man keeps putting his time on earth to no good use until in the end, amidst mad winds, wane moonlight, and pasty specters, he uses his exactly like everyone else uses theirs. All up. Hmm. The (laughs) futility of choosing one side or the other um, is again what this is trafficking in because, again, uh, all all life is no good and right. consciousness is the ultimate uh, evil in, <laughs> yes. in, in the universe. <laughs> yep. The next segment deals specifically with supernatural horror and why we turn to it uh, in, in lieu of um, a more generic horror and it's um it's basically stating that supernatural horror can be kind of a balm or a salve. It's something that you can be afraid of, but uh, it, it's because it is couched in other things and less in anchored in the horrors of reality. Um, it's fine, but when right. you take the supernatural out 
the out of the equation and it's just pure horror uh, because you have to draw on things closer to your general experience or others' general experience. It, it can be too much um, if tried if it's trying to be consumed as a mode of um, stress relief. Yes. If 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 you if you wanted to be entertaining, can't real. You can, yes, you cannot make it too real because then it becomes too real, as we kind of discuss with the idea of the nightmares. If they're ever present, that becomes your reality. Exactly. See, we told you there'd be overlap between. <laughs> hmm. And um, more pertinent to our particular because all of this uh, while philosophical um, and we have had no direct monsters uh, we we kind of have an idea of what we're doing with this and I say kind of but we have an idea of what we're doing with this why we're covering this and here's a particular quote to drive that home While horror may make us squirm or quake, it will not make us cry at the pity of things. The vampire may symbolize our horror of both life and death, but none of us have ever been uprooted by a symbol. The zombie may conceptualize our sickness of the flesh and its appetites, but no one has ever been sickened to death by a concept. By means of supernatural horror, we may pull our own strings of fate without collapsing natural-born puppets whose lips are painted with our own blood. Hmm. Yep. That's why we do the thing we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, there's the, the <laughs> final section. It doesn't... Um, it's the same sort of issues uh then there's the uh, a final segment sardonic harmony which i think i just pulled i did pull the one quote from this one so we'll think about that for a moment um by means of supernatural horror we may evade if momentarily the horrific reprisals of affirmation every one of us having been stolen from non-existence opens his eyes on the world and looks down the road at a few convulsions and a final obliteration What a weird scenario. So why affirm anything? Why make a pathetic virtue of a terrible necessity? We are destined to a fool's fate that deserves to be mocked. And since there is no one else around to do the mocking, we will take on the job. So let us indulge in cruel pleasures against ourselves and our pretensions. Let us delight in the cosmic macabre. At least we may send up a few bitter laughs into the cobwebbed corners of this crusty old universe. I, yeah, I, I picked that one on purpose because I can empathize with that on some level. All right. Mm. And most of this, honestly, if I'm, you know, Yes, I mean, yes, that is, this is, this is why this is then Dave's segment of Monster Dear Monster. <laughs> and the final, the final bit from this uh, not a story. Once and for all, let us speak the paradox aloud. We have been force-fed for so long the shutters of a thousand graveyards that at last, seeking a macabre redemption, a salvation by horror, we willingly consume the terrors of the tomb. 
and find them to our liking. That should be yep. like our maximum for the MDM podcast. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it, it, it kind of, uh, kind of expertly and brilliantly explains horror. We, 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 we. Our horror has to be not well. Doesn't have to be, but our horror is more most comfortably consumed when it is uh, uh, facilitated by uh, something. Uh, outside of the realm of possibility because nobody wants to think about the actual horrors of everyday life and the human experience to be entertained. It is a, that is an antithetical concept to itself. It cannot mm. be unless, unless there's something wrong. But nothing is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Once again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Except for consciousness. <laughs> yeah. If there's, if it might, if, might if, have been if, a mistake. If, yeah. If everything, if everything is meaning, then, then not, then nothing's real. Hmm. <laughs> so with that, chapter of the book um, drawn to a close, we will uh, jump into the first chapter of Conspiracy Against the Human Race. And this this will be, a, again, a shorter segment just because yes. by, by nature of how this is written, um, we'll, we'll pick a bit um, and discuss what we think about it. And we are going to hope that our selections uh, where they made are not the same uh, this first chapter is the nightmare of being and it's yes. first subheading psychogenesis uh, this is a how do you even begin to describe um, this is the origin of consciousness and what that meant uh, for humanity right Potentially. So the quote I pulled is in reference to uh, the the furtive pygmies that we all are. <laughs> um, right. Finding about out about death. When they found one of their own lying still and stiff, they now stood around the body as if there were something they should do that they had never done before. It was then they began to take bodies that were still and stiff to distant places so they could not find their way back to them. But even after they had done this, some within their group did see those bodies again, often standing silent in the moonlight or loitering, sad-faced, just beyond the glow of a fire. Everything changed. Once they had lives of their own and knew they had lives of their own, it became impossible for them to believe things had ever been any other way. They were masters of their movements now, as it seemed, and never had there been anything like them. The epoch had passed when the whole of their being was open to the world and nothing divided them from the rest of creation. Something had happened. They did not know what it was, but they did know that as which should not be. This idea of under like, it's consciousness and understanding, um, uh, mortality. Yes. And understanding that 
there is or is not something beyond the end of consciousness. And the fears that that uh, brings with it, the idea of revenants, of ghosts, of zombies, uh, the things that which should not be because everything should just, the, the natural state is life when in fact the natural state is actually death. Right. Because everything's moving toward that. There is only um, uh, annihilation and the the word that I'm struggling to search for. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've lost uh, that particular bit of vocabulary as sometimes happens. Um, uh, entropy is what I want. Yes. There we go. The state of entropy is more natural than the state of life because right. it's arcing toward obliteration and coming to terms right. with that and trying to just make a daily life when everything is horrible because everything is always ending. Right. And that, and that are, you know, are that our very existence is predicated on ending other things. Yes. And that just increases um, with the toll, I think. Um, did uh, that, it's a short section. Did you pull anything else from that one? <clears throat> Excuse me. No, I didn't. But this what this section actually spoke to me because it's it uh, um, it's uh, uh, I I think I have uh, an experience uh, unlike most people, which is that there is actually a photographic record of me of of the uh, concept of death crystallizing in my mind as a child. Um, there is a photo in one of my uh, parents' numerous photo albums of me holding a, a crushed butterfly. Um, I think I was maybe about five or six at the time, and I was trying to catch it. So I stepped on it and picked it up, and then I realized that it was dead and realized what death was. Um, hmm. Right, just in time for him to snap a picture. So there is, there's a, a real weird picture where I'm having a a real tough moment as a six year old. Um, so yeah, that's my addition to this section because it's it's it um, clearly crystallized for me, and also I I can just look at it, which is. Weird. <laughs> that's your own. That's your own becoming of morbid man. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> most people don't get. Most people don't get to have have a picture of them <laughs> internalizing a concept. So I guess I feel pretty myself. Mm, maybe accepting the um, the children from the. Uh, 19, 18th and 19th century uh, or I guess 19th century uh, photographs where they are posed next to uh, deceased relatives. Yes. Yes. Thing. Yep. Um, yes. <laughs> so I'm just like one of them 20s kid. <laughs> so the next segment Antimortem 
which is fitting. So it's after after death. Uh, I just yes. highlighted the, the beginning of it. Um, for thousands of years, a debate has been going on in the shadowy background of human affairs. The issue to be resolved, what should we say about being alive? Overwhelmingly, people have said, being alive is all right. More thoughtful persons have added, especially when you consider the alternative, disclosing of jocularity as puzzling as it is macabre, since the alternative here is implied to be both disagreeable and, upon consideration, capable of making being alive seem more agreeable than it alternatively would, as if the alternative were only a possibility that may or may not come to pass, like getting the flu, rather than a looming inevitability. And this this speaks directly to uh, well the the, the the previous bit of the chapter and how death is couched in the general uh, consciousness as opposed to the inevitability that it, it in fact is. Mm-hmm. Uh yes. Um, I did actually pull pull a section. Uh, from this, because I think this one probably speaks to, speaks to me uh, 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 slightly uh, um, in a way that that uh, really stuck with me. Uh, so, um, if the most contemplative individuals are sometimes dubious about the value of existence, they do not often publicize their doubts but align themselves with the optimists in the street. Tactically, uh, tactically, uh, ooh, declaiming in more uh, erudite terms, being alive is all right. The butcher, the baker, and the crushing majority of philosophers all agree on one thing. Human life is a good thing. And we should keep our species going for as long as we can. I have to. I have to say. I. I just. Um. Uh. I. I just finished Death Strand. I just finished uh, Death Stranding, and there's a lot of Legati, possibly by proxy. Uh, that I've been that I'm getting now, um, you know, having um, in, uh, engaged with both of these works so close together uh, that I I'm starting to wonder if if any of of this was used uh, to influence that game because there's there are some parallels that I am um, kind of shocked by. <laughs> rereading this again yeah and i'll i'll have to like my experience with death stranding has only been um in in secondary and seeing a few let's plays or just by virtue of hearing it talked about Um, right so i'll have to experience that for myself but i can see just based on some of just based on some of the screenshots um, and the original um, trailers, how that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, my this your your pull uh, is runs a, as a through thing into the next one I pulled anyway, so that is good because mine just continues the quote. Um, <laughs> 
To tout the rival side of the issue is asking for grief, but some people seem born to bellyache that being alive is not all right. Should they vent this posture in philosophical or literary works, they may do so without anxiety that their efforts will have an excess of admirers. So that could be a, <laughs> um, a note to Death Stranding and a few other things that we know um, True Detective um, as for, yes. for one specific thing because that directly is pulling from this book. Right. Um, <laughs> Among such noting, notable, uh, notable among such efforts is The Last Messiah, an essay written by the Norwegian philosopher and man of letters Peter Vessel Zapfe. Uh, in this work, which to date has been twice translated into English, Zapfe elucidated why he saw human existence as a tragedy. Uh, the chapter goes on to back, take a back step and uh, let us know that Zapfe's work is something that is core to this book uh, and um, bears um, some necessary uh, forward or like cursory examination to things that are tangent to it. I think that what we will do is because of the nature of how this is written and the length of chapter one, and as well as there's like a 300 page book as well as the rest of the book, <laughs> we will probably, uh, after we finish this bit, so for next uh, episode on this, uh, we will we will go through um, the Last Messiah instead. Uh, yes, it's, it's short. It's not a long thing. It's a a few pages, if that. Um, but uh, it's dense, so we'll, we'll use that as the the bit of reading for next time. Yeah. Did you have anything else for this chapter? I did have one more. Uh, I did not. So this is this is the final bit to uh, the chapter, and I think a, a very it's no less poignant than the other, other parts. The only rights we may exercise are these: to seek the survival of our individual bodies, to create more bodies like our own, and to perform uh, to to, uh, to perish from corruption or mortal trauma. This is presuming that one has been brought to term and made it to the age of being reproductively ready, neither being a natural birthright. Stringently considered, then, our only natural birthright is a right to die. <laughs> yep. And it's not um, as morbid as it may seem. This is not an incorrect mode of thinking because all of the other rights are posited, as this chapter finishes up, on fabrications, things that man has written down to say these are the rights of people, which means right. some, someone, there's a hierarchy somewhere where someone's more important and has decided uh, either singly or uh, through committee uh, what other people's rights are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the one thing that cannot be taken away is your inherent thing that you are just going to die. Yes. <laughs> Again. It's um, how uplifting. It, it, yes, and but, but yeah, it's 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 unpleasant, but it's not wrong. It's, it's not wrong, it's, and it's it's vaguely empowering. Yes, because you y you can take control. Well, <laughs> you can't take control of it. You can take ownership of this one thing, right? And yeah, no one yes, can it take is. it from you. All they can do is hasten its arrival, right? <laughs> yep it is uh yeah it is or i it guess is, prolong it they can also prolong its arrival and that's a horror of its own 
uh, right discussion. Yeah, Dave, I, I, I know we talked about but I death standing while we do this because it's I'm I'm kind of crazy blown away by the parallels that I'm getting from this. It is, it is, it is, it is, I, I, I like, I, I, I try not to, to, uh, 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 play with hyperbole, but I am astounded by how much overlap there is thematically between this and, and Death Stranding. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to get around to it. And, um, listeners, if you have any, uh relevant input on that regard which i think some of you may have because quite a few of you are lovers of the video games uh then let us know uh, yes we will we will include that in uh, next episode's discussion uh the next uh, sub chapter here is wide awake and yeah. the first quote i pulled is basically what i just said uh so i will just reiterate it our want of any natural birthright except to die is in most cases with in most cases without assistance is not a matter of tragedy but only one of truth coming at last to the pith of zappa's thought as it is contained in the last messiah what the norwegian philosopher saw as the tragedy of human existence had its beginnings when at some stage in our evolution we acquired a damning surplus of consciousness again the thesis statement um being kind of hammered home yes and, and the, the rest of this um sub chapter uh, we, we decided to stop here because it is actually just quote pulls from the last messiah and we will do that our own selves because right. they may not be the, the self same ones and i like to use those as a springboard for discussion versus um just reiterating all the time what um, Ligotti is saying. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that the the, the wide awake bit, as all of you um, hopefully are still wide awake and not um, suffering of the, the nightmares of sleep, uh, <laughs> we will allow this episode to draw to a close. And we will resume our horrendous tales uh, in an episode or two, because next is... Return to the Witcher. Yes. And, and Cameron. Cameron will be back. <laughs> yes. We we, well, we are right in the mood. We are merciful. We are we're mercifully um ending this episode. This episode is is going away, but in our infinite cruelty, we will simply resurrect it with another episode. Thankfully, podcasts aren't sapient, so it doesn't really mm, and if they were Jeez, I don't that the, the darkest timeline. If if podcasts were sapient, is is yes. what happens. I wonder if this would <laughs> scream or would laugh. That's the thought that I'll will we'll leave you with. Uh, I for the I like to imagine. I'd like to imagine that it would just blow raspberries all the time. Well, that's the fun alternative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think it depends on the season. Yeah, it depends. It depends on 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 the host composition. What 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 our podcast feels about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
we've rambled off long enough. Dave, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter pretty much exclusively at sentinut underscore plus. Uh, our errant co-host Cameron, also on Twitter at night underscore twitten, and that's night without a K. And Leonard, how about yourself? People can find me online on Twitter as well under Dr. Faust is dead. Uh, people can also find me on YouTube where I run a video essay channel. That's what it is turning into now. I have decided uh, um, uh, YouTube channel where I, I talk about video games and narrative structure and, and, and all sorts of aspects of the gaming industry that I like talking about, which is mainly stories and behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, yes, and I'm currently working on a uh, the uh, finishing up the script for my next video, which will uh, be about the thematic uh, elements of dealing with grief in Gris. Or grief. Hmm. Oh, I look forward to seeing that when it is finalized. Yes. I'm sure everyone else will too. The links will be in the notes as usual. And I think this is us letting you go for the, uh, the day. Goodbye, y'all. Goodbye, everyone.